0: The series sponsored by Giant Leap tackles many of the issues we are facing in the world of work at present and how we can make work and work life better for leaders and employees. Work has changed drastically in the past few months. A tiny virus has got us all questioning how we work and how we should be working. We have proven that we can work without an office, in fact, pretty much anywhere. Employees have been given a choice about where to work, but what we have also learned is that what we want isn't always the right thing for us. It has us all begging the question, what should we do with an office? And do we need an office? What does an office represent? Linda Trim, director at Giant Leap Workspace Specialists, chats to some of our top industry leaders and professionals on their thoughts around work and what the future of the office holds. The saying goes, effective workforce, effective workplace. Throughout the series, we tap into the minds of great leaders and professionals to explore the question that has everyone talking, where is the office?
1: Hi, this is Linda Trim, who will be speaking with Dr. Colin Linda Linda on the impact of where work has gone or what the impact of the office or lack thereof is having on people and our performance. Today I was really excited to have this conversation with you, Colinda, as I've read so much about the work that you do and the impact that it has on the people you work with. Colinda is a cognitive therapist. I love the quote on your website, which is so true of today. The illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn and relearn if anything this year has taught us is the ability to adapt and reinvent ourselves. Colinda as a dedicated professional. You must have faced many of these questions already. The first piece of inspiration I got was looking at the couch on your website. Then realized even if I was going to see you, I wouldn't be able to sit or lie or be present on that couch. Which I guess for many is a realization about the office at the moment. Not coming to your couch sort of loses the invitingness of meeting you. I've always had a sense of belief we work with what we have and make do when we have no choice, which for many is where we are at with the opposite present. Many have been forced home and have had no choice but to make it work. But then, Colinda, my mind really starts to wander to so many softer issues that I look at. As a workspace specialist, we have always believed in technology but many of our clients and employees have struggled with Zoom fatigue and with the inability to read emotion on a digital platform. Pre-COVID, we were trying to encourage downtime from our devices. Now we seem to be online 24-7. Colinda, I would imagine that you as a dedicated professional have had to adapt in a large way yourself. How have you found the impact of technology on the work that you do and the people that you work with?
2: Well, you know, if we think about the new world of work, uh, what we used to have was you would have your Monday to Friday or whatever it was, you would get up, you would get yourself ready, make yourself human, and then transit to the workplace. And now the workplace might be your kitchen, you know, it might be your dining room. And uh, I think the world of work will never be the same. So there are many upsides and downsides. And I think if you think about change in general, You know it's never all good or all bad so i think one of the challenges has been that it was really abrupt you know we had a few days before we went into hard lockdown yes and then we were completely online and we were all in shock and i think a lot of people just didn't work at all and then that kept evolving so some people kept their jobs some people didn't some people were sent off on full pay to watch netflix um, you know,
1: wishful thinking. <laughs> exactly.
2: You know, I was working harder than ever but earning less, so it, it was just crazy. So I think part of it is the tech and then part of it is the human angle and the other part is that it keeps changing. So now it's not just online. Now some people are back completely and I think for most of us it's a hybrid. You know, so you've got to keep your head focused. Well, hang on, is it my day in the office? Is it my day at home? And whatever got on where? So that's also quite a bit confusing, you know.
1: I think that's so important with what you're saying because the question really here is where is work yeah. and that's the topic that none of us actually have the answer to right now and we've got to try to find a happy medium and I always think back to 9-11 where people said they would never come back to the city or they would never come back to a skyscraper and two years later there were more people in New York something about how we always go back to normal when we can I'm not sure if that's true
2: I think it is, you know, because we all like familiarity. We like consistency. So, you know, if you had a normal route that you took to the office and these were your normal hours, I I think we we complain about it. But still, yeah, I do think we need that structure. And I think in the first two weeks, if I look back, you know, the conversations I was having, the stuff I was doing, so the upside was no traffic. And for a lot of people it was they didn't have to really look human, shall we say so in my line of work i did have to i couldn't be doing a session in my pjs but (laughs) you would never believe how many people even you know midday were in their bathrobes, chilling in their bed um so i think a lot of these boundaries shifted and i don't know that that's always a good thing so lack of traffic yes i love that but in terms of the, the sort of shifting sands not so great so we definitely want normality we want structure So that's interesting what you
1: say, because when I entered the working world many years ago, I was taught to dress for success, to dress for the negotiation or the day that you were going to to have. So should we be encouraging people to get up, get dressed, even if it's to sit at the kitchen table or the dining room table? Do do people perform better when dressed properly?
2: They definitely do. So if you think about it, if there were a play, let's just say, and um, somebody got sick, And they were the hero or, you know, the heroine or whatever, the princess, you know, pick one. And, um, you know, they said, okay, look, you have to stand in. So you would know immediately if you went to the dressing room, you know, which outfit is yours and how do you speak and how do you move? And then if they said, oh, sorry, you're the villain, okay. Oh, okay. Well, then I need to dress in this way. I need to move in this way. I need to speak in this way. My eye contact needs to be this way. So you would immediately know which one you were. And then, you, you know, the cues would be there. So if you're sitting in your office or your workplace or, you know, whatever that is, all those cues are around you. Like you were saying, my couch is there yes. and the bookcase and things on the wall, and I'm dressed a certain way. So all those cues are there, and my mind is then focused on work. Where if I'm sitting in my house and there's a TV and there's a dog lying there snoring, like mind you, or, you know, there's somebody in the bathroom. You know, all of those cues are completely different and they're so confusing. And that's why we do focus on are people wearing PJs below the desk? That's the (laughs) least of it, you know. I think it's all those cues. Yes. It's it's the view you're looking at. Are you in your bedroom? Yeah. You're trying to be all professional, but you've got PJs under your jackets or your gym clothes, and you're looking at the animals outside. You know, that is not conducive to a formal meeting, for example.
1: You know, I know myself, I find if I go to gym and I have a trainer who tells me what to do, I perform so much better. If I have a dietitian write to diet for me for the week, I kind of know where I'm going. Yeah. And the office represents a lot of that for me as well. I'm much better with structure. Mm. So it is an interesting phenomena. Are we giving people too much freedom and choice at the moment? And I know one of the things many of our clients have asked us is um, about flexible working hours. And, you know, should we be letting people work whenever they want? And and the one thing I found in lockdown was I was working throughout the night because people were emailing and contacting Mm -hmm. me at all different times of the the day. So is giving people too much choice a, a bit dangerous with that? Are we pushing people to burn out and over their boundaries?
2: I think, yes, That that's the short answer. Okay, so we all need structure, we all need order, but that looks different for different people. So the way that I've been advising people is, uh, you know, in a 24-hour cycle, have chunks of work, rest, and play. So for some people, working at night suits them. You know, I'm very awake at night. So I then have the afternoons off where I'm being Uber, I suppose, at the moment, <laughs> or just engaging the yes. children. So, I like to work in the morning and then, you know, in the evening. Okay. And that's, you know, my play, exercise, those things will work around that. Yes. So, obviously, I have that degree of flexibility. Not everybody does. But I think even if I think of our receptionists, you know, they each had the phone, a cell phone, and they were at home and they each had a laptop and we negotiated. So, the one's got three children. So, between maybe seven and eight, she wasn't great, but we negotiated that. And then there was a chunk of work. So whatever the structure is can be flexible. But there's definitely got to be a structure in terms of work, rest, and play. You know, you can't just have this woolly mush of things because then the day is going to be a disaster and you get this blurring of boundaries. That's when you're getting emails at 2 in the morning and expected to respond by 6. Yeah. And
1: that's sort of one of the comments we've had. Some people said they drive to work, they never realized how it was a reset for them. Yeah. So some people started driving to the office just to sort of reset their minds or think in a different perspective. We had taken traffic for granted, listening to music, listening to the radio, seeing different people. So is it important for us to try reset our days in different environments?
2: Yeah. And you bring up something very important and that's transitions. So, you know, if you roll out of bed, so say you've got a Uh, you know, some sort of call or a session or whatever it is at eight and you roll out at 10 to eight. That's not ideal. So, you know, you've got to transition. You've got to give yourself that time. And so sometimes just getting to work, it's that transition. So you can kind of get yourself, you know, awake or even that first coffee or your little rituals. So we need those transitions. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, it was overnight. I mean, very few people have a dedicated workspace. Yes, true. And so so that transition is critical and it's not easy. Like in my line of work, I had to find a space where nobody can hear me, where it's completely private, where, you know, I'm not going to hear the front door, that kind of thing. And um, it's very tricky. So I had to repurpose a particular area. And so in the mornings, I, you know, shift that whole area into a workspace. And then by the time I finished, I shifted back, which is kind of fun for a few weeks. But then after about six weeks, it gets a bit tired, you know. So I think it's it's that transition is incredibly important. And so we think, oh, yay, no traffic. But then you're still having to transition in other ways. So, you know, I don't think that there's any
1: perfect solution. I know, you know, so many of us don't have space at at home. I remember doing gym at Zoom on home and I would literally crawl out of bed into the next room to do. Gym. And one of the mm. things I actually love is my walk to gym in the morning. Mm. So it's very mm. true what you do, do say. And in fact, it's interesting. I was sitting in the hairdresser the other day, listening to the ladies talking about their experience oh, okay. at work and really just eavesdropping. And it was interesting to hear the one lady say um, she loves working at home because she hates her boss and she doesn't have to see him anymore. Mm. <laughs> but mm. she's having to renovate her home and go away every weekend to try get some work-life balance going yeah which i yeah. thought was very interesting yeah.
2: you know i think one of the things we do wrong is we blur the boundaries between work rest and play so we either become degenerate and we just netflix until there's nothing left to watch yeah. i think that happened about two months in <laughs> and, and then watch then we hit the fridge you know so that, that, that this blurring is not good for anybody you've got to have a little bit of structure so i think that's the one thing and so from degenerate to workaholic. And I think that's the other problem because now th- there are no limits. Like if you've got kids and they're not at school, you know, um, if they're big and they're doing their own thing, there are no limits. You can work as many hours as you want. Yes, it's and difficult. And these are the two problem areas. So if you're sitting in your office and it's 10 at night and there's no one else besides you and the security guard, that's kind of a cue, go home. Yes. You know, so all those little cues are missing when you work from home.
1: You know, it's so interesting because so many people, because they were forced home and it was a novelty, they absolutely loved it and they got out of their structure. So and I look at a lot of my friends, they were petrified to get back into that sense of structure mm. again. But when they eventually came back to the office, they loved having the routine again. And I think that's, you know, where a lot of people are sitting. They felt they have to say they love working at home because there isn't a choice. Mm. And they are nervous to go back into this eight- to five. So I love the word you use, hybrid, finding an approach where you don't have to be at the office 24-7, but we can find a mixture of a way for people to work. And you know, as workspace specialists, when we design space, we always design it for an introvert and an extrovert, that you can kind of pick the place you want to work for how you're feeling that day, because you can speak more on it. But even if I'm an extrovert, there are days when I'm really quite introverted or I t- just want my space and my place to be mm. free or mm. private, which we always design offices with different zones. So you're never just stuck in a big open plan area. And and can you really achieve that at home?
2: Yeah, I think you've actually hit the nail on the head. So the offices where there are zones are absolutely the best. You know, from the chill-out zone to the connecting round the water cooler the coffee machine, um, sometimes just even going for a walk to clear your mind. So if the the workplace has zones, absolutely, it's often a happy place. And, you know, I think you also said something that made me think that, you know, we need that kind of consistency. We like familiarity. So it's almost like you want your workplace to be a, a really interesting combination of what's familiar, consistent, stable, known, there's your spot and then your zones for when you just you know in a quiet mood or in a more chatty mood or you just need to go for a walk, clear your head, so that that is absolutely first prize, and you're right. I mean, how do you do that at home? Because when you leave that little hole where you're working, yes, you've got kids, dogs, cats, noise, TV, fridge, you know all of the above. so you're not really getting a break, you know, and you're getting this blurring of now who am I, you know am I this person or am I this person? So, uh, I'm a big fan of the hybrid, you know, the the work, uh, we call it work-life integration. We used to call it work-life balance. Okay. But it's much more an integration. So, a piece of you at home and a piece of you at work. And when you're at home, you know, trying to pull off that balance is a bit trickier, but it, it looks different.
0: Giant Leap are the leaders in workspace and creating working solutions that add value to employees. They offer expert advice on how people should be working, how often they should be coming to the office, and what settings we need going forward. What is the future of the office, and is one proposition better than another?
2: So when you're at home, I think it's probably going to be more like the, the life part coming out, a so little bit of the work. And then when you're at the workplace, you get to work. And, you know, work is good for us. There's been a lot of research on this. There's a guy called Csikszentmihalyi, took me a long time to learn how to say that. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I won't copy you. (laughs) (laughs) took me a while. He was a Hungarian psychologist and he did a lot of work on flow. And um, I won't tell you all the details now, but basically what he established was that in terms of flow, you have double the flow experiences at work than you do at home. Interesting. And the only reason that we think we don't want to be at work is because we have a perception that we have no autonomy. Okay. So I think we've got the best opportunity right now in terms of this hybrid setup to have the flow and work is good for you and then have an element of autonomy. So, you know, we're really well placed right now. So I've always felt, you know,
1: going to the office, you're a little bit of a more different person to what you are at home because it gives you a different sort of sense of belonging to your family life. But I'm not sure if I'm unique or if The office or our our work that we do does really give us a sense of belonging to who we are.
2: I think it does. You know, um, I think obviously it varies. Some people really don't, shall we say, I I was going to use the word ambition, but that sounds a bit judgy, but some people don't have that goal that they want to work out of the home. So I'm not talking about those people right now because, yes, there's other work there. But, you know, people say, for example, myself, a working parent, you know, I love being at work. There's no one when the twins were little, you know, mom and clamoring and, (laughs) you know, fighting and all the rest. And I just loved going back to it. Escape. Actually, I went back very quickly because for me that was a happy place in a different way. And I have lots of these conversations. And, you know, whether you're a mom or dad, whoever you are, I think the cues at home, whether you have fur children or humans or partners or staff or whatever, it's – there's something – it's just a different feeling, isn't it? Completely, it's a little bit more.
1: It's a little bit softer or more intimate to being in the office where you you can be a completely different person. You're mm. not being judged by your family. You're mm. being judged by your colleagues, and it, it, yeah. for me, it is completely different.
2: I think it feeds
1: the pressures parts. are different.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's a place where typically, you know, you are just being you, you're working in that role, so you're not. Kind of having all these multiple hats at home, making those decisions. So I, I think work is good for people. I'm a big fan of work. I don't think anyone should ever retire. Um, you can change how you work, maybe, but retiring not good. Lots of studies, you know, they show when people retire, especially for men, yes, they often within six months have heart attacks. Oh. Cause they've lost purpose. Very
1: interesting. The sense of purpose mm-hmm. that we all all yeah. need. And I mean, the one thing that really sort of boggles my mind with all of this that I, I think I haven't got a grip on is we all can look back and anyone that's had a long distance relationship hasn't really probably done it successfully. Mm. There's only a certain length of time that you can sustain it for. So if we're not going to come back to the office at all and we're not going to have face-to-face interaction, can we build trust and can we build relationships with with people or are we sabotaging that?
2: mm, mm. You know, I think I can answer first from my field and then broader. So I think I am more introverted and I like my own space. So I think I adapted much easier. Not the tech side. We won't talk about (laughs) that. But, you know, in terms of the actual being in my space and working one-on-one, that part was relatively easy. And I think, you know, a good two, two and a half months, it was okay. But I was still getting out and doing other things. But it did get a bit tired. And especially if I was meeting new people, you know, I mean, I am experienced, so I suppose I can use my gut feel, but it's a little bit harder when you just see head and shoulders on a screen. Yeah. You know, you can't see anything else. So you're just completely going on gut and it's tiring because you really have to focus. You really have to listen. You, You can't kind of get the vibe in the room, you know, so that's a lot harder when you don't know somebody. But when you do, it's not so bad because there's kind of a, shall we say, an intimacy already, familiarity. Um, it's a little bit easier to do that. But absolutely on video. You know, audio, I can tell you, no matter how much one normally focuses, your mind's going to wander. Yes. we visual creatures. You're going to look around. You're going to see all the other cues. You're going to miss things. So I think it is harder to build trust in a way. But, you know. I suppose on the other hand, in terms of for me, often people, and I don't know if I should even say this in public forum, (laughs) that often people would forget that there's a human on the other end of the screen. So let's just say some defences were dropped. Okay. And that was not always um, perhaps something they would have chosen to do when they realized they're sitting there. Perhaps not in the state they would have been if they'd been in my office. So yes, there is an upside. People are more relaxed. They're kind of chilling. But it has its place, you know. If you're trying to have a formal conversation, I mean, if you've got a lawyer drawing up a contract, do you really want them in shorts and t-shirt, chilling on their couch? Good question. Probably not. Yes. You know, yeah. or if, if your doctor is advising you on something, I want them in their office with their stuff, you know, bringing their A-game, absolutely focusing. So I think one has to look at the context, yeah, but trust is a big deal. Yeah, I know that's some
1: of the things we really battled with because... So many people turn off their cameras mm. and you actually don't even know who you're talking to because mm. you've never met them before. And you go have a look on LinkedIn and you're quite shocked at what you've sort of envisaged and who they actually are. Mm. And, you know, we always say 66% of communication is nonverbal yes. when you actually meet yes. a person. Yeah. So how do you yeah. get by that when you are on, on Zoom? It's very interesting
2: to know. To I think when you've got the cameras off, it's incredibly difficult So I've done loads of press in the last few months, even more than ever, where say it's on teams or something, and because of bandwidths or whatever it is, um, there's you and you see yourself and then you're kind of looking at yourself, which is not a good thing. (laughs) And you know, where where should I look? At the slides, at myself, at the camera? Um, So that is quite weird. It's really not fun. You're getting no cues. I oh, know. I've never realized that a double chin till after. Well, <laughs> staring at Zoom that's all day. The camera angle. I promise you. So, you know, that that is disconcerting. And you've just got these, these little icons all over the place. And, and that's if you're doing a presentation. Now, if you're trying to say it's your team and you're trying to gauge where they're at, you can't. There's no way you can only do it with audio. And even then, half the people are on mute and you're not even sure if they're there. So it, it's very challenging. Yeah. That was actually one of the things
1: I really struggled with because as a leader, when you walk around the office, you can pick up so many things. If someone's having a bad day, you can mm. sense they're very much like an animal. You can mm. pick up certain things. But being at home, you've actually got a schedule in your diary, a time to phone everybody and, and check on them. and. I found people, you couldn't pick up the same senses and people weren't going to come out and tell you what they were battling with or Mm. stuck with or having a great day to celebrate it kind of through us in the beginning.
2: Mm. I think there's also, you know, earlier we said context. So all the cues at work, okay, I'm at work now. This is what I'm doing. You know, time to not be playing or resting. Whereas at home, I think part of it is that blurring, you know, the cues are, are mixed. And the other thing is you don't know the context. So, and I'll share the story because it's really funny. So, I've got two dogs, two cats, a rabbit, two children, etc.
1: So, <laughs> everything in two.
2: At least no the other arc. half. Pulls yeah. out. But um, you know, my one of my dogs is a therapy dog. So she loves me being at home. She follows me everywhere, and she's lovely. And she'll normally sleep, and she's absolutely perfectly behaved. And maybe once every two weeks, in the middle of a session, and her timing she will need to pee so first (laughs) i get the look and i'm trying to not look at her yeah and then i get the grunt and then the patting or you know the the carrying on at the door and you're trying to have a conversation and then unfortunately you just got to say i'm terribly sorry my dog needs to pee and she's eyeing the persian carpet because yorkies only pee on persian carpets and um and this is you know it's, it's tricky it's really tricky so you don't know what that person's child is doing or the room where I work at home, there's a big window because I love light. Yes. And the gardener every now and then comes and peers in, and <laughs> it's it's quite disconcerting. So somebody might not quite know why I'm widening my eyes at that time, but it's probably looking at the gardener. Will you leave? Distractions. Now? Yeah, and and the context. So you could hear somebody sounding a little bit distracted or not happy, and be thinking, "Oh, are you not coping? Did I give you too much work? Are you okay with this deadline?" But actually, it could be something else. They could be eyeing the dog or the gardener. So it's impossible to read somebody's context, even on video. And then when there's no video, it's just I wouldn't even go there.
1: Okay, so interesting. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing that we've picked up is obviously people are struggling with mental health, not Mm. only from the work from home, but the pandemic and the change and everything that we're experiencing at the moment. Are there any tips that you could give people on how to sort of do a little bit better or feel a bit better with what's going on at the moment
2: mm. Mm. so i think whether you're an introvert or an extrovert let's first start with the introverts you know you can have too much isolation you definitely can and if you're an extrovert you need that contact and zoom is just not enough so i think just know who you are and what it is that you need and obviously do it as safely as possible um, another one is those transitions i spoke about so You know, are you working, resting or playing? And then for goodness sake, be present in whichever one you're doing. Because if you're watching Netflix or whatever it is, or, you know, on social media, but in the back of your head, you're thinking, I should, I must. Well, then what are you doing? It's a a work play hybrid. It's not a good thing. Yes. Or if you're resting, but now you're thinking about work and then you're so tired, when you're sitting at your laptop, you just want to rest. So, you know, know what it is, structure your day. Negotiate what you can, honestly, because we need to have those honest conversations and then put order within y- your flexibility. So that's the one section. And with that is the transitions and the location. And then I think the other one is to actually reach out because we don't do that. You know, so if we think about support, um, there's something called social support with are five kinds of support. On one of my websites, thoughtsfirst.com, there's a free doc on that. But basically, emotional support, you know, having a safe place to vent, even if it has to be online. You know, don't be a hero and keep all of that in. So I think that's important. And even for leaders, you know, you don't have to be the therapist. And if somebody's really leaning on you or on the rest of the team quite a lot, then you know it's time to get somebody in to help. So the emotional support's the one. And then the next one is practical, you know, um, reach out. You don't have to be a tech genius. So if you need somebody to help you do, if you need somebody to help you lifting kids do. So practical is the second one. And then there's esteem support, which is quite difficult. And leaders are finding themselves having to do that, you know, really boost people as much as possible, even when they're dropping balls. And then we have information. So that's kind of what we're doing now. And please, not just Dr. Google, because that's
1: what we do. Yeah. That's what's available to so many people at the moment.
2: So at least one human, please, who has some idea. And then, of course, companionship. So that's the easy part, because I think we're all in the soup together. And that's where pets, even a plant, you know, something like that, your neighbor. So the companionship, I think, yeah, just keep that in mind. But support is huge. There are tons of studies on that, in terms of mental health, physical health, Um, I did my doctorate on cancer and anxiety and this social support was as important as spiritual and the level of medical care. So really important. And then I think probably self-care. You know, I put that in there for anyone who's in a leadership, helping, frontline kind of position. Um, Definitely self-care because compassion fatigue is a thing you know, Zoom fatigue, all these fatigues. Um, So, yeah, I think absolutely self-care. Have many breaks, definitely.
1: Thank you, Colinda. It's been so lovely to to speak to you, and I hope we even get to chat again because there's so much on this topic that none of us have taken into account or thought about. We've really thought about the office as a physical space and the rentable that comes with it, Mm. not everything else that happens in, in between. So thank you for joining us this afternoon.
2: It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for hosting me.
0: We at Giant Leap believe working well is good business. If you treat people well, you bring out the best in them. Giant Leap believes a workspace designed to enable everybody to work well can bring out the very best in each individual and demonstrate how passionate a company is about caring for its people.